We ready? I think we're ready. Yo, welcome okay. to Only Yesterday. Welcome to Only Yesterday. I want to say thank you to our Canadian fans. We actually have Canadian fans. I never thought that we'd have any fans outside of Utah. Yo, so, so that's cool. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you, guys. Um, I'm Tony. I'm Adam. And today, what are we? Uh, what are we going to be talking about, Mister? So Short? we're gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about like acceptance commitment therapy in the context of um, Buddhism and talk about how it started. Um, just right off the bat, caveat, this is not meant to be any type of therapy, not meant to replace therapy. So if you need help, if you're feeling, you know, suicidal or in danger, definitely go get help. So this is not us therapizing. This is just us kind of sharing some coping skills, sharing some, you know, some stuff that we've learned along the way. So just telling you what it is and, you know, a little, a few things about it, you know? Yes. So acceptance commitment therapy what have you what have you heard about that um i've heard that you know during an during one of these sessions right the acceptance commitment therapy session you know you're being mindful of the things that are going on in your life um and your ability to affect them or your lack of ability to affect them yeah and so like i kind of in in the capitalistic world in the western world you know we kind of have this solution, kind of fix everything kind of mindset, you know, because mm-hmm. of medicine. You go to the doctor, you know, the doctor fixes your problems. You come back, you know, all fixed. Right. Except there are some problems where that, that doesn't work with, you know, like depression, anxiety. You can't just fix it or schizophrenia even. You can't just like fix it, right, you know. Right. You kind of have to work with it and build kind of coping skills around it you know what i'm saying got to learn how to deal with it yeah so talking about uh acceptance commitment therapy um so it started officially by steve hayes in like the 80s the mid 80s he's a phd um but it's the principles have been around for thousands of years um it largely comes out of kind of buddhism and hinduism um so it has those roots in like eastern mindset and indian psychology right right it's very complicated, and we're not going to get into it today because we would be doing like years long podcast episodes on just all the Indian words and their meaning and stuff. And well, I do have some Indian roots, so I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. So, yep. um, it's not that kind of podcast. This is not that kind of podcast. So, if we get stuff wrong along the way, you know, we're learning too. We're not perfect. Um, so, some of the main things about ACT or ACT are kind of the focus on not on symptom reduction or solutions, but um, the six principles you could say are diffusion, acceptance, contact with the present moment, the observing self values and committed action. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So they sound pretty, pretty thorough, pretty thorough, pretty deliberate. Yeah. And so you can kind of look at it like this. This is an act. I'm going to use a lot of acts like metaphors. One is kind of the, t- imagine you're like in a tug of war with a monster and mm. they have infinite strength, you know, they're OP, they have, they've leveled up, you know, all that kind of shit. Right, um, right, right. And you're just you. You can tug, you can fight, you can do all that stuff, but ultimately, what happens? I mean, you struggle. You struggle, right? And the, what's the end result, though? I mean, what, depression, sadness, like, yeah. you're, you you're unable to win the tug of war. Yeah, the monster always wins. And it's kind of the same with um, our biology, our genetics and everything. Mm -hmm. We can't avoid, if we have like schizophrenia or if we have 
depression, we can't avoid that no matter what we do, you know? Mm, right. And so you have to learn how to work with it. And that's, yeah. that's a good point, you know, because I, I know many people with depression. I know many people with anxiety. I know many, well, I know a few people with schizophrenia. But, Me um, too. Yeah, you know? And so it's not easy to just say, oh, hey, stop being sad. Or, hey, don't worry yeah. about that. You know, it's, it, takes, it takes effort. It takes a mental effort True. to, you know, get yourself out of that moment. True. And so what we're talking about today, can some people mistake it, like I've had clients mistake it as me being nihilistic or dismissing their problems or being callous. Ooh. Um, so we're not trying to be callous or just say, oh, just accept your problems. What we're trying to say is that, Stop fighting, you know, your the things that you're that you can't, you know, control. Word. I think I think the way that I would phrase it is, you know, be mindful of your capabilities to affect that particular moment. Right. Yeah. And so are you able to stop someone from passing away? Right? Like are you able to Usually not. Usually not. You know? And so what are you able to do? Right. Unless you have the Dragon Balls and your Goku, you know. Right. You're probably well, not I mean, going to stop them passing away. They're probably going to pass away. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of um, what we are saying is that, you know, these problems like death, grief, loss, they exist. And we're not trying to negate them or minimize them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not trying to minimize people going through real difficult things. For example, you know, the loss of like the Supreme Court's decision, you know, how that affects people. We're not trying to minimize that loss by any way. Right. Telling you to feel that shit. Be with your emotions. Acknowledge them. Yes. And so you brought up a good point. Mindfulness is kind of, it's a kind of a woo word, you know, it's kind of, you know, a buzzword that's in the media and everything. But what it basically comes down to is being in contact with the present moment. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things we try and avoid, you know, like... The Supreme Court decision, for example. Right, right. You know, we do things to try and avoid those. Sometimes we take substances, you know, sometimes we numb out and we try and avoid our experiences. Mm-hmm. For example, this week I have watched a bunch of 90 Day Fiance to escape reality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I look at those people and I'm like, those decisions you're making, uh, I don't know if that's going to help you there, you know, kind of thing. It gets me out of my mind, Okay. my yeah. mindset, you know. And that's good, but like, you know, don't avoid your problems is what I'm saying. Because 90 Day Fiance doesn't offer the solutions. It just offers more problems. So don't avoid your problems, but definitely don't dwell on your problems to the point that it distracts from your day-to-day. Yes. And so we're going to talk about kind of um, what ACT is designed for. So it's designed to help people who are living in a chaotic world not accept their problems, not like minimize them, but be able to do what they can, be able to exist and still find happiness despite, um, despite crises, despite everything. Right. So we're going to, yeah, go ahead. Because there was still some silver lining. There's still some beautiful stuff, even in the midst of all that bullshit. Yes. And so we're going to talk about a guy I'm going to, I'm not Vietnamese, I'm Japanese. So I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. I'm going to try my best. Teek Nyat Han. He was. He passed. I think he did good. Good. 
I, I don't know because <laughs> not Vietnamese. Right. Um, if there are Vietnamese listeners, eventually you can email us and tell us. But uh, he was he passed away this year actually. Oh no! Like a this month year. ago. A month. Wow. Yeah. So it, he's the kindest, sweetest man. Um, so a little bit about him. He grew up in Vietnam. He's Vietnamese, and he grew up in colonial Vietnam when the French uh, were in power. Ooh. And so. So it probably wasn't a fun time. Well. He he didn't describe his childhood as anything bad, um, but yeah, a lot of people did suffer during that time. Yeah. And he he studied Buddhism after a while, and he became like a monk. And uh, he actually during the war between the Catholics and the Communists, he established um, kind of like one of the first like social work agencies Ooh. in Vietnam. So he's, he was essentially a social worker Sick. on top of being a monk, a poet, um, wow, wow. a diplomat. Mm. Um, he was many things, right? A badass, basically. Um, he's a badass. And so he was exiled from Vietnam in 1966 for refusing to take part um, in the war and refusing to take sides. Wait, 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 wait. So he was exiled from Vietnam. By the Vietnamese. By the Vietnamese people. Because he refused to take part in the war or take so, sides. Yeah. So he had a like a mm. agency that he was running that mm. helps people find relief, help them find, you know, sh- shelter, food. Right. Um, he employed a lot of like social workers basically. Okay, cool. Um and he refused to take sides. There were two, you know, Vietnamese factions that were fighting each other. Oh. This was before the US uh came in and got involved. Um so there's like a civil war and he refused to advocate for either side basically okay um yeah that's hard that (laughs) Um, is hard because you know as he's a social worker or in his social work capacity you know he says i need to take care of clients from either side yeah ostensibly yeah and how can i say that one side is the right way because immediately when i do that i'm alienating the other clients that i'm working with so he um he was very much about peace. Mm-hmm. He um, engineered kind of a new topic called, or new approach called engaged Buddhism, which is basically activism Ooh, okay. based on Buddhist principles, based on humanity, based on helping people. Nice. And so the two sides, they didn't like that. They wanted him to take a side because he was an influential person. Mm-hmm. And so they exiled him. And so he ended up resettling in France uh, eventually. Okay. But interesting fact he was friends with a lot of the world's um leaders he was friends with martin luther king jr he came to the u.s and uh met with him sick during um well right before he was killed really yes so 1967 i think or 66 he was um exiled and so he came to the u.s for a little bit and talked with him and a lot of his teachings appear in martin luther king jr's talks about peace that is pretty good. Pretty badass, right? That's pretty badass. Badass. And so this guy, he was all over the place, you know. He was traveling around the world and mm-hmm. he wrote a lot of books. And one of the things he brought kind of to the Western consciousness was mindfulness. Yes. Yes. And so this this mindfulness, you know, he took a lot of the mysticism, a lot of the spirituality out of it and made it more practical approach for for everyone. And so he was known to be friends with everybody. Like he was friends with Catholic monks he was friends with a lot of different religions he was you know he just saw humanity as humanity he didn't see kind of the political divisions or anything like that nice yeah i think that's pretty cool too yeah it's pretty cool especially during the time right when people are 
so I mean very like, polarized. I mean, not like it's not polarized now, but it's, we're that, kind of reverting back to that. But yeah, right. It was like super polarized, and so to say, you know, I'm wanting to be understanding of where people are coming from, regardless of their affiliation. Like, I think that's as powerful. We need more of that for sure, for sure. And so when we're talking about mindfulness, you know, like we said, it's a lot of woo around it, you know, a lot of, a lot, lot of media attention to that word, but we're talking about kind of engaging the present moment and accepting your thoughts and feelings as they are rather than avoiding or trying to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a quote by him. He says, the best way to take care of the future is to take care of the present moment. Hmm. Yeah, Yo, that's. That's real. So a lot of our psychological distress comes from living in the future, trying to affect change, trying to change what's going to happen. Um, and so his his approach and the Buddha's approach, which we're going to talk about, is kind of not not being in that mindset of solving problems, but being in that mindset of simply existing in the moment. Hmm. You know. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just need to do that for real. Just yeah. Be in the moment. Don't. You know, think about, oh, my God, I'm going to, or, oh, my God, I'm going to, or just yeah, like present. Kind of like, you know, I'll give you an example because you have a kid. When you're with your kid, you're with your kid and you're mm-hmm. nurturing them and you're not thinking about, I'm afraid of this paper I got to write. I'm afraid of the taxes I got to, I'm afraid of these bills do kind of thing. You seem like you had some some uh, emotional response. Tell me about what's going on in your mind, sir. I mean, that happens a lot while I'm with yes. him. Yes. But... I mean, especially while I'm with him, I'm like, yo, I need to make sure that he's taken care of, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I, I don't want to do anything, like, wrong, I want to make sure that everything is, you know. But um, there are times, for sure, when I'm just like, I get to see him smile, and I'm just like, just in that moment, like, oh, he's smiling, he's so cute, or whatever the case may be. And I don't have children, but I have an Elden Ring character, and so when I'm playing Elden Ring, I'm, I'm just playing Elden Ring, you right, know? Right. Um, when I'm just, when I'm out and about, I'm not worrying about, oh, this in the future, that in the future, or in the past, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. And what that does is it allows me to let go of that anxiety, because I, I set forth anxiety about the future, about a lot of things. Right, so right. it kind of allows me just to enjoy the day. I think that moment for me is when I'm gaming, just like super, yes. just mindful of what's going on in that moment in time. Yes. Um, but, you know, not worrying about all the excess bullshit that I know is is still it's, there. It's, it's there. Like, it's still there. But, but yeah, you know, just I I can't let it you know destroy my day, dude. Like I can't. Yeah. Otherwise, we're otherwise. What are we doing here? Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because like animals, like my dog, for example, they don't have that concept of like future abstract thinking. Right. They're just in the moment, and I would love to do that. You know, I'd love to be a dog because you just sit down, you get treats, you have food. Sometimes you get a belly rub. You know, you don't have to worry about the politics. You don't have to worry about the bullshit. You know, you're yeah. just there. You just get to exist and be yes. there. So that's kind of like what we're talking about is not just being there. You know, mm-hmm. um, another one quote by him is: "Do not dwell on the past. Do not dream of the future. Concentrate the mind on the present moment." Mm. So, sometimes, though, the present moment sucks dick. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. When that Supreme Court decision came out, which we'll do a whole other podcast about, I was in a pretty bad place, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of feeling all this angst, this anger, you know? And I'm not even affected necessarily by decisions about women's, you know, birth control or women's reproductive rights because, newsflash, I don't have ovaries. 
Right. And I don't think you do either. No, I, I, I've never checked. don't have but, ovaries. Okay. It didn't affect us, but I was in a bad place. And I was trying to avoid that. And so, like, I was watching, I told Tony, 90 Day Fiance, watching that, doing all this stuff, you know, sometimes, you know, open up a beer or whatever, you know, trying to numb out. Hmm. And so, one of the principles of mindfulness is, is not to avoid those feelings or try and solve them, but to absorb them and experience them along with the good and the bad. Right. Yeah. I had a, had a similar, not necessarily like a, like a viscerally. So you didn't watch 90 day fiance. I didn't watch 90 day fiance. Never mind. But after, you know, hearing what I heard, I um, just thought about my, my sisters, my wife, you know, my nieces and nephews, or not my nephews, but my nieces, you know, and just really any female friend that I have who, is you know wanting to maintain autonomy over their own body so i kind of acknowledged my ability in that moment to affect the situation which i had none of and which also made me feel upset and so i just kind of just sat with that feeling and was like okay like i i know that i'm upset and i this is why i'm upset because i believe in this particular thing and there's even though it doesn't affect me personally but again i i can't make this my entire day however to not feel what i'm feeling is equally as irresponsible right yes and i think our society has become very good at avoiding our feelings through video games through substances through sex through just Mm -hmm. whatever you know just any and so it's kind of the conundrum is how do we experience those shitty feelings and still maintain mindfulness, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's a few ways to do it. Um, but yeah, we'll, like my man says, we, we going to get into it. Yes. And so one of the, um, kind of the main things about mindfulness and about acceptance, we're going to talk about acceptance mostly today is control. Mm. So despite what we think control is actually the problem. You know, trying to control outcomes, trying to control others, trying to get rid of suffering. Because no matter what we do, we're going to suffer. No matter what we do, we can't control the Supreme Court. I mean, we can vote for people that can put in Supreme Court justices. We can, you know, but there's limited things we can do. Right. There's limited things that we can actually control about a, a particular situation. Yeah. And so kind of a metaphor that I use with like, clients and people is Mm -hmm. imagine you are swimming at the beach you know you're having a great day and all of a sudden you're swimming and you feel this force just pulling your leg kind of you know just and it's a riptide and so you're caught in this riptide and the more you fight the more you struggle the more tired and exhausted you get and the more it pulls you away from the beach Mm. okay okay so if you stop fighting that riptide eventually it will let you go and you can swim back to where you want to be. But if you keep fighting, you keep, you're going to get exhausted and drown. Okay. Right? Okay, that's an interesting metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to, I personally, like whenever I'm going through whatever, I imagine, you know, so say you're walking, you're walking and it's a beautiful day, you know, not a cloud in the sky. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's just mm, beautiful. A bird is chirping. So not it's Utah. Beautiful. So wherever you are, bro. Because <laughs> this weather sucks mind, ass. This is I like... Mean, Shoe melting weather. Right. It's it's pretty warm out here, but I mean, it's not freaking Arizona, bro. Like Arizona's... It's always worse. Yeah. Arizona, it can always get worse. It, it worse. I but, always um, talk about that. Right. So you're walking, 
just walking around, you know, and it then begins to rain like out of nowhere. Right? Yeah. And so the more, the more sadness you feel about a particular situation or the more upset or more angry you feel about a particular mm-hmm. situation, the darker it gets and the more it begins to rain and the, the bigger the raindrops and you're trying yes. to get to your house yes. and your house is where, you know, once you're there, you can, you can get your clothes wherever you need them. You can dry off, you can, you know, warm up, but until you get to that point, you're just like walking in this shitty ass torrential downpour, yeah. but being mindful about it, right? Like, yeah. okay, so I know that the house is all the fucking way over there. Mm-hmm. I know that I can't do anything right now to get me out of the rain. So I need to just slowly walk to the house, you know, just be mindful. Okay, I'm getting hit by the rain. Fuck, it's dark, but it's okay. I'm on the way. It'll be fine. Yeah. And I kind of view it like, would you like to add to your troubles by having that attitude? Oh, the rain sucks and focusing on the rain mm-hmm. or just get out of the rain. Right, because right? you can you can do both. Like you can just sit there and dwell on the rain, then you'll have a bad day, and then all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the rain's still going to be there. You can't control the weather, you know. Despite what Alex Jones thinks, I mean, um, there's a whole documentary on people like making clouds. Different and shit. podcasts, bro. Different, different, different podcasts. Episode, different episode. <laughs> I've never made a cloud. I've never conceptualized that. That's interesting, bro. But let's just assume you don't have the cloud making technology for now. Um, okay. You can make it worse, you know. By dwelling on it and um, ultimately, you know, suffering more, or you can let go of that feeling of having to control the rain. And I'm not trying to invalidate people that have been raped or experience atrocities or anything like that. Like those things are definitely real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And those things are especially difficult, right? So now, yes. now imagine walking in the rain to your house and there's like an alligator actively ch- actively chewing your leg. Yes. And you're like, I need to get the fuck out of here, Yes. Bro. And just yeah. by the alligator being there, you know, you still want to get back to your house, you know? You still want to yeah. be mentally healthy again eventually. Yeah. You want to get away from all this shit in the house and then perhaps yeah. deal with the alligator or deal with the alligator first. But it's, yeah. It's, the alligator's there, you know? There's still going to be, you know, an abuser or somebody still going to be out there. But by kind of, I don't, I want to be sensitive because I don't want to like dismiss people's experiences, but, but mm-hmm. there's ways to compound the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Dwelling on what they did, dwelling on the evil, wanting to get revenge on them, wanting to make them suffer too, which you can't really control, you know? Okay. That's kind of what I'm saying is you can suffer and kind of, Experience that and move on or let that go, or you could make it worse. You know, we might have to clip some of this because it's gonna. No, no, no. I, I think yeah. the way that you're the way you're phrasing it makes sense. So you can, of course, you know, have the you can have the feelings of wanting the abuser to not be in a good spot. Yes. Acknowledge those feelings and acknowledge that there is something that you can do about it. Like, you know, go through the legal discourse. And, you know, go through whatever avenues you need to go through to get yourself through that situation. But as you're going through it, you know, give yourself space so then it doesn't completely consume you. Yes, you can still, and I don't want to minimize experiences again, but you can still have good times. You can still feel peace and happiness despite suffering. Mm -hmm. An example is my grandpa. Um, I've talked about him on the podcast a little bit. I grew up hating him because he Ooh. disowned my mom. Oh, no. And so I never knew him. 
But he was a piece of shit. And he at, was... At the time. Perhaps? I don't know. He died. Oh, um, well. So I grew up with these feelings of rage. I grew up with these feelings of hating him and wanting him to suffer. Hmm. But newsflash, he was already dead. Oh. So no matter how much I wanted revenge, no matter how much I wanted to bring him back and punch him in the balls over and over until he died. (laughs) That's pretty specific. Yeah. So no matter how much I wanted that, no matter how much anger I held on to, that anger was going out into the ether. It wasn't doing anything. Hmm. And my feelings were valid because he was a dick. But I decided eventually, like, this is only going to make my life worse, holding on to all this negative energy. Right. You know? Right. And so we we actually had a discussion about that in one of our um, in our dialogue class when we were at the U. Yeah. Um, specifically about that because there was someone who had been abused by someone, and they're like, "Well, why do I have to forgive them?" Like, you don't have to forgive, right? Them. Exactly. You don't you don't have to forgive them, but you owe it to yourself to at some point find peace. Yes. And so again, you don't have to forgive this person, like, and you also don't have to wish that you know wish death on this person and hopefully you know karma comes around and catches this person it did come from my grandpa right hopefully karma comes through and or perhaps you know incarceration for a particular individual or if they just there's or just like street justice if ever something like that you know ice cold falls on his head he gets his ducks his dick stuck in like a pencil sharp i don't know (laughs) something like that so something you know we're gonna we could get imaginative as possible right just Um, just don't let it consume you yeah and i'll give you another example is the internment camps of the japanese and japanese americans that for me um, really impacted me as a child. Like, mm. I'm getting emotional talking about it right now. Um, I grew up wanting revenge, and I grew up wanting to destroy things. I grew up wanting to hurt the people that did that to my people. Mm. But what good d- did it do for me to carry those feelings my whole life? You know, right? I didn't have to forgive America. I didn't have to forgive anybody. But I didn't have to punish myself for their actions. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's that's dense. That's uh. That's another podcast episode. That's another episode. Yeah, we will talk about that because I have some ideas. Um. So moving on, kind of, uh, we're going to talk about dualism. And you have a song called Duality. So tell me what your concept of dualism is. Um, understanding the good and the bad in life, and I mean, and when I say good and bad, like it's. I have a skewed perception on reality, you know, but, you know, we can talk about the, the Bible's good, the morality good, the, you know, Satan is bad or, you know, but then we, we can talk about people actively helping others is good versus people actively destroying others and destroying the earth as bad and understanding that they both exist in this world. Yeah. Today. Yeah, so dualism is kind of a Western concept, um, kind of created by René Descartes. He was a French philosopher, I believe, in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Um, very complicated. It's a whole nother podcast. Go to philosophy. Go take a class in college. I don't know. Um, I'll just give you my concept of it. It's the idea that like concrete ideas exist, like identity, for example. Okay. So um, kind of it, it boils down to there being a right and a wrong. Okay. And there's a right way to live. So an example of dualistic thinking is the American dream Mm -hmm. and thinking that 
obtaining wealth or obtaining this or that will make your life better, which it could, but I know a lot of miserable people who are rich as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one, and I don't mean to bash on people who are religious, but religion kind of breeds that this is righteous. That's not righteous. Yep. Um, and that's, I don't even think that's bashing. That's just making a statement. That's, yes. that's a fact. Yes. Right? And so as we talked about on our last episode about kind of um, colonialism, there was a lot of duality involved because they came here and they saw, oh, they're not living the European lifestyle. So they must be inferior to us. Yeah. They yeah. must be backwards people who don't yes. know what they're doing. And, and they were, fu- yeah, they, yeah, the colonizers were wrong. We will do a whole series on them if we need to. Um, and so what this leads to is kind of judgments. Um, and that judgment leads to anxiety, depression. Um, it leads us to conceptualize how things should be mm-hmm. and put pressure on ourselves and on society to be a certain way. Right. Right. I have another quote by our friend Han. Um, he said, when we're caught in a belief that happiness should take a particular form, we fail to see the opportunities for joy that are right in front of us. Oh my God. Yo, run it back. Say that one more time for the folks at home. Okay. Bro. So when we're caught in a belief that happiness should take a particular form, we fail to see the opportunities for joy that are right in front of us. Seriously. Like there's so many different things in this world that we can be, you know, grateful for, be happy about. But when we get so caught up in whatever version of happiness yeah. that looks like for you, um, we we miss out. Yeah, we, we have for the sure. potential to miss out on a bunch of good shit. For sure, I'll give you an example. Like when I graduated with a bachelor's, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to move on immediately and do my master's, but I got rejected two years in a row. So I had to wait three years to do it. Oh no! Um, and so I this is how I actually I discovered this shit was feeling kind of like I was less than my peers who got accepted or less than whatever, because I had this concept of this is how things should be. This is where I should be going, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to stop and take a moment to enjoy life, you know, enjoy being alive, enjoy the moment that I was in. And I got a job and I found ways to enjoy doing that and ways to make my life meaningful, despite wanting to move on. No, for real. You know? And I got an example as well. Like, you know, we have a bunch of people who are saying like, oh, you know, I need to go back and get the master's. Go go and get the master's. You'll, you'll have I, so many opportunities. Sorry, I'm one of those people. You'll have so many opportunities available to you. And like, though that may be true, like I'm completely content, you know, working where I'm working in the field, kicking ass, holding it down with a bachelor's degree. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And it goes back to that concept. There's no right or wrong way. Right. Obviously, don't go and rob people and stuff, but there's no wrong or right. Barring <laughs> right. illegal things and in unethical things causing harm to other people, there's no wrong or right way to exist that way, you know? Right, right. I have a master's, and look at me, I'm, I'm a mess. A mess. Yeah, a mess it doesn't and make a me half. any better. But um, yeah, we're, yeah. You're doing it's, all right. I think you're okay. I, I, I like to think so, you know? For um, sure, for sure. You're and doing so, great. For more helpful concept, uh, and this comes from Buddhism again, is non-dualism. Mm. It it just basically it's really simple. It means not to in the original Sanskrit language or wherever it came from. Right. So yeah, and so, so just one. That's monism. Okay. So, so just so non-dualism is just not to. It's not saying one, but just 
not yeah. true. So monism, now that you brought it up, is the idea that all things are essentially the same. Mm-hmm. When you get down to the roots of them, like if you really want to boil it down, that we're all just atoms and particles. Word. Which can help in some circumstances, you know, boiling it down to like breaking down racial barriers, you know, and mm-hmm. breaking down feelings of racial superiority. Right, right. But also doesn't it, it um kind of whitewashes or washes over differences of identity. You right, know? Right. Like your identity and my identity are very different things, but non dualism holds that there's no wrong or right. Like your identity is special and my identity is special in a different way. So non dualism is just like there's many. It's an is openness that, to okay, the openness. universe. Okay. Openness to concepts. You know, Buddhism is very much a passive I wouldn't even call it a religion. Very much passive in the sense that it doesn't subscribe like you have to accept the Buddha or go to hell. Right. It doesn't even accept that. You can embrace some of the principles of Buddhism and still be a Christian or still be whatever, you know? Mm. Um, so didn't know that. Maybe, hmm. Yeah, so maybe, maybe some people should, didn't know that. Yeah, maybe some people didn't know that. And so um, it's the idea that multiple truths can exist at once, basically. So my identity, I'm an American, but I also have my roots come from Japan, they come from the Middle East and Pakistan, right, you know? Right. Um, and so... My identity is, it's fluid, you know, mm. it's always changing. And so, um, another idea, it's kind of, we're getting down into the weeds here, non-essentialism. What do you know about that? Nothing. Okay, this is perfect. I'm, uh, welcome to Adam's class of bullshit and Buddhism. I don't know. Um, it's not bullshit because apparently this is research-based? This is research-based. It's so. all research-based. I'm not just flinging woo at you guys, you know? Um this man likes woo. I don't know another word for it. Um, whatever. There's so many, bro. Just make up a word. Okay. Flinging. Goobity gawk. Laro. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, or nonsense. How about that? How about nonsense. malarkey? Malarkey. Dookie. Dookie. Flinging duke, say you. Okay. So, non-essentialism is very similar to non-dualism. Uh, it's the idea that all things are kind of empty in essence. You mm-hmm. know, that... Our concepts are illusions to us. Okay. Um, for example, when we talk about race, when we boil it down, we're all essentially the same species. Right. You know? Right, right. Versus the ideas that, oh, this race is smarter than this race, or this race is this, or that, you know? Some people are both. Some people are, they fall into like many different like ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So there's not like an essential part of them, you know? Right, it's right. pretty much breaking down those barriers of co- concrete concepts, you know, like right. what an, what an American is, because essentially there is no concept of what an American is. You say American, some people think, oh, I'm from South America. Right. That's American. You that's know? American. Somebody at a Trump rally thinks that it's somebody with guns and somebody with like that's white. You know, I don't know. That's just what they've said. Right. So it's kind of the essence of an op- another openness with the universe you know open to different translations of concepts openness to there not being one set concept of like happiness or um prosperity or that kind of thing right okay do you have any questions up until now because this is really confusing so i don't want to what is non-essentialism the idea that it's kind of the opposite of essentialism and essentialism is the idea that concrete ideas exist like good Americans or 
So you, yeah, being for example. So let's say a house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a house is just a structure of like cobbled together shit. Like it could essentially. be some people built houses out of mud. Okay, right. Some so people built. You know, they built. Diff- there's many different concepts of a house. Not one concept is right. Right. Sounds difficult. Okay. Sounds I'll, difficult I'll, I'll give explain. you another one. Okay. So the concept of being black enough that we've talked about. Right. What so, makes somebody black enough, you know? Melanin. Yeah, but but there's like cultural aspects, you know, that people say, oh, well, you're not, you're not black enough for me or kind okay. of thing. And so the concept of not being black enough or not native enough or not Japanese enough, does that fall under essentialism or yes. non-essentialism? Essentialism is the idea that... There is a set way to be Japanese. There's a okay. set way to be black. Okay. And so non-essentialism says you are just a person. Well, you're a person and you have a valuable identity. And you have a valuable identity. Yes. Whatever that identity may be. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of the openness. Okay. You know? So, yeah. Does that make more sense? It makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. The way you were explaining it before, I was like, what I'm the sorry. fuck? I'm, I'm so sorry. confused. Um, another idea that influences this kind of concept is that reality is constantly flowing and changing. That there's no, like, there is set concepts of reality that we set, but who we are and who what things are in in society is constantly in flux. I would think that reality is static. Reality is constant it is there the only thing that changes about reality is our perception on it and what we believe it to be so there is like i'm I'm not an expert i'm not like a i have buddhist priest friends that we could get on here um but yeah it's the idea that things always change basically yeah things always change that's what i'm saying that's that's what i'm saying things always change i I think that's all i just i think think and therefore you feel um i don't know if that's the quote um i think therefore i am yeah, and that's actually Rene Descartes. Let's go. Um, so another another thing I like to conceptualize it is this is one of my favorite sayings that I use with people. Um, so having no destination, I'm never lost. Yeah, I guess. So what do you what do you think of when I say that? So I mean, having no destination, you're never lost. I mean, that's you're just you're here, you're present, you're in the moment, yeah. wherever it is that you are. If you're not planning on being anywhere. I mean, you have nowhere to, you know, yes. stray from. Right? Yes. And so, like, let's say you have this concept of what, how your life should be. Mm-hmm. And you're not, life's, you know, kicking you in the dick and not, you know, <laughs> for me, it kicked me in the dick. Um, not fulfilling your expectations, it kind of leads to some depression, some anxiety. And so, kind of abandoning that and just living life in the moment and not having those expectations, you know, I, I've been happier. I think that's that that's good. It can be good, yeah. but I feel like it's a slippery slope. Like again, you can, again, there's there's duality, and then there's the non-dual way of thinking of it. It's true, but there's opposites that are, can be true too. Right, exactly. And so, like for your for your you know situation, right? You're you're doing great. You're like you're like, hey, I'm holding it down. I'm yeah. living, letting life flow. You know, doing it big. Not really concerned. And not really concerned about my destination. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Just just being here, and where the chips may fall, they may fall. And then there's some people who are like, okay, yeah, I'm going to subscribe to that. 
Fuck paying bills. Fuck paying the mortgage. Don't, I'm just gonna let don't it. Don't do that. Don't it. don't don't tell your landlord that Adam said that you don't have to pay your rent. Like I, I did. Have, I have no destination. I'm not lost. I have to fucking wherever I'm going. And this and where is I'm why. Going. I, Fuck it. This is why I brought up non-essentialism and non-dualism as concepts because it's the idea that opposite things can be true at the same time. Yeah, and so that to me is to me that is a concept of double think by George Orwell in 1984. Um, two yeah. two can contradictory opposing ideas can be the same and both be true at any given time. Yes. And so I'll give you another example, me getting my master's, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually did end up getting into the program and um, I had a lot of days where it just sucked. And I thought like somebody in college, they should be having fun. They should not be, they should study, but like I didn't have friends up where I was and Mm -hmm. just lonely. And so I had this concept of, basically animal house, (laughs) how it should have been, right? (laughs) So I had a goal to get a master's, right? But I also had kind of this image of I should be have a bunch of friends and party and stuff. Mm. I could let that get to me and get depressed and just not engage with life. Or I could accept life as it was and have fun still, still have that goal of graduating, but not having set expectations, shoulds, letting go of the shoulds. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So... Boiling this down, we're going to move on a little bit. Um, the secret of Buddhism is to remove all ideas, all concepts, in order for the truth to have a chance to penetrate, to reveal itself. It's kind of confusing, but it kind of goes back to letting go of that concept of how things should be, letting go of those kind of unrealistic expectations, and hmm. letting life be how it is. Interesting. And so, I don't know, like I... I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that, like letting go of all ideas and things like this. Like, Pay your rent, pay right, your bills. Right, right. Because ob- objective reality tells us that in the U.S., as a homeowner or someone who's living in a house, like you're going to have to deal with, you know, these types of, you're going to have to deal with these, you have to deal with money, you're going to have to deal with a company, you're going to have to deal with the home itself, you're going to have to deal with, you know, and so I guess I'm thinking of it from an essentialist perspective and non-essentialism is... You need to open your mind. Well, it's not mate, It's not that the mind isn't open. And so I feel like if we were to... Okay, so let's say we remove all these ideas. Yes. We remove the concept of a house. We remove the concept of debt. We remove the concept of creditors. We remove the concept of, you know, water, electricity, power, Wi-Fi, all this shit. And so we are just human on earth and that that's beautiful right like that's Mm -hmm. simple that's it's almost desirable even and so i can i can get behind that right like i I can understand that Mm -hmm. and so i think some people are going to have a hard time wrapping their minds around like that particular concept right because we are so shrouded in Ads, very much subjective consumerism fucking you know yeah for example the concept of money really doesn't exist like it's an imaginary concept it does exist uh, bro that's a does, whole different episode it, it like, is a whole different but that's yeah. kind of an example of these things like being black enough or being japanese enough they're really just kind of things that we have conceptualized right. you know but there's no inherent value in them right like 
you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I understand. Like, I, I understood when you said when you were talking about money. I understood you. Yes, because I have a whole entire crisis about this. I, I feel like we could possibly go back to the barter system. Like, once we could because let's just, okay. I have one dollar, right? And here in the U.S., it's worth one dollar. If I go yes. to another fucking country, it's worth either more or less than one U.S. dollar. Yes, and so. Even then, that's even if they recognize it, they could be like, "Yo, this is just fucking paper to me. Eat a dick. Like, go somewhere with that." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they could say that. They could say, "Eat and, a dick." Yeah. I don't so, know. yeah, the the concept of money, I think, is an interesting one. I mean, granted, some sort of currency is needed to keep track yeah. of shit. But what I think he's more saying, he's not saying that like all these ideas don't exist, and that he's more saying kind of um, that we shouldn't let these ideas dictate how we feel about ourselves okay and like that, being sure. rich I, yeah i can get behind that like being sure. rich for example that's a concept that's an idea that like everybody wants to be so we have to let go of that idea of okay i'm gonna have a big ass mansion i'm gonna have like 10 cars you know mm-hmm. kind of feeling rather than being content i think that's what he's saying is letting go of those kind of western ideas of happiness that are placed upon our shoulders mm-hmm. or any any place but it's mostly you're talking about western versus eastern philosophy I feel like perhaps letting go of the pressures, pressures that, yeah. letting go of the pressures that striving for that particular type of happiness also like often because comes with. I'm going to be a social worker, and if we were basing happiness on money, I would be depressed yeah. as fuck. Right, bro. Like if yeah, if based on the American dream, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of breaking that down. Of there is no right way to be an American. Obviously, don't turn into Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, don't, don't, don't do anybody harm. Don't hurt people. Basically. Don't hurt animals. Don't, Fuck. don't, <laughs> I almost, this is bad because I watch a lot of serial killer stuff, but when they harm mm. animals, I'm just like, you know, like, like fucking something asshole, about animals, bro. you know? Yeah. It's, it's a power thing, dude. And I, and I think it also stems back to, um, us having dominion over animals in the biblical sense. Yeah. And so. I, I, I'm not going to say one way either, you know, up or down, but I feel like that's, that might have something to do with why some people do that. I'll put it this way. Animals never voted Brett Kavanaugh into the Supreme Court. That we know of. There may that have, we know of. There, there might have been, been a chicken like around a there, you know, committee like that, a committee of chickens or cats, probably cats, honestly, sociopaths. I mean, I would think, you know, it never... It may have been like collection of animals. Okay, okay. Who, know, who actually fucking knows, bro? It, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Who knows? So um, this is kind of I've shared a lot of like you know metaphysical concepts, but we're going to talk about how to apply these. Mm-hmm. Um, the serenity prayer. It's so it's I'm going to leave out the God part because y'all know how I feel about that. But grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. I don't. I don't know what <laughs> you, okay. got, you got. This so, okay. carry the rock so here. I'm, okay. I'm just gonna. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna put God in there for the people that do believe in God. But sure. if, you, if you don't believe in God, just that's why I left it out because it's very polarizing. Just get concept. it out of your brain. Okay. So it is God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And if you don't believe in God, then be like, I am my own God. Then Adam, grant me the serenity. Exactly myself. <laughs> grant me serenity. So it's kind of saying like there are things that you cannot change. Right. I can't change wars. I I could if I joined, you know, armies or whatever. But for the sake of the conversation, there are things I can't change. I can't change Brett Kavanaugh's mind. 
I can't reach into his head and perform an you operation. You're getting really specific on... You can't okay. change the melting of the polar ice caps, bro. Okay. You can't change anything that's happening on the inside of the globe. Not you cannot directly. change the tectonic plates. You cannot change when an earthquake or a flood is going to happen. I got a secret for you. You know, I, I learned how to do that while we were, you know, this whole week, so... So that was probably you a few months ago when we had that, like last year, was it, when we had them earthquakes? I farted and let go on accident of my control for a second, and that's what that was. So there are some things that you can change in effect or affect. Yes. And there are some things that you cannot. But I cannot change solar flares or inflation. So, yeah. So there is kind of now that we've talked about accepting, you know, obviously your feelings are valid, everything's valid, but do you want to live with the added? you know, um, misery that comes with those things. Do you want to add more weight and more sorrow to your experience? Right. Do you want, do you want to? I don't. I mean, because I've learned not to, but that comes back to the swimming against the current thing is Mm -hmm. you can try and get to the other side. You can try and swim against the current and some people do, but it doesn't sound very fun. Right. Yeah. It sounds like more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. So another kind of, practical thing is accepting experiences as they are not trying to avoid pain not trying to avoid sadness yo so there was okay so i'm gonna tell you a story tell me a story Um, we were at bear lake and there was a dude who ended up he he ended up passing um and long story short, um, one of the people there, because I, I told them, hey, this is what's going on. I'm like, and I let them know that I was a social worker. Um, and my my brother-in-law, the nurse, you know, he went to go do CPR, but you mm-hmm. know, it was too late. But um, um, the, the person was like, okay, so hey, do you want to go, you know, talk to them, you know, see how everyone's doing? I'm like, honestly, like right now, it would be irresponsible for me to try to pull anyone out of this moment right now. Like, For sure. We need... People need to feel this. People need to be present in this moment because it sucks. Like whenever there's a loss of life, it's terrible. Whenever yes. you see someone, you know, pass in front of you, like it's it's awful. And so for me to try to pull everyone together, like, oh, hey, come on, guys, let's do a group. Let's, you know. And we talked about that on the podcast, is like planning this week of not doing that with the Supreme Court stuff. Yeah, there's, there's just certain things there's certain times in life where you just need to be present in the moment and feel whatever it is that you're feeling, be it, be it sadness, be it happiness, be it dread, be it, um, joy, you know, serenity, serenity. all those things. You can feel the idea that we're getting at is that you can feel all of those things in one experience, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, another one is relationship habits, letting people go in your life that want to leave. You know, how much energy do we spend on people that have left that don't care about us or that don't value us the same? I know I've spent lots of hours agonizing over that in the past. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of that. There's also, let's put it on the flip, right? Like there's someone who wants to go, someone who wants to be away and is clearly not good for this person. But mm-hmm. the other person in the relationship is like, hey, stay even though this is a bad relationship, even though yeah. this is toxic, just stay because I'm afraid of what might happen if we're not together. Yeah. And so what we're saying is maybe accept those feelings of abandonment or fear and let that person make their choices and see what happens rather right. than clinging on to something, spending all this energy on something that's clearly not working out. 
you know, and just being mindful of that. And and if you do have any influence over the situation and if you can, you know, change it or affect it in some way, then, you know, be mindful of to what amount you can affect it. And I say, you know, depending on your goals, try to make that change. Or if you're like, I just want to be mindful. I just want to see where this goes. I don't want to try to make anything, you know, left or right of it. Then see what happens. But yeah, you know, let people make their choices. Right. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, he said, love people in such a way that they feel free. There you go. Meaning, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but love people in such a way that you let them make their choices. And if they leave, it's painful, it hurts, but it's better than trying to control something and trying to make somebody make a decision. Right, right. Another um, application of this is death and loss, which we kind of just barely talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had some run-ins with death, too. I got in a car crash, and um, the other person, I'm not sure if they survived, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was a pretty nasty car crash, and it was scary, facing that and I I had this moment where uh, this is very vulnerable I wasn't sure what was going to happen you know when you lose control of the car you know right right and I was like okay whatever happens happens and I just had to let it happen because you know it was scary as fuck but at the end I I came through you know I'm still here doing the podcast so I didn't die hey hey. but yeah but accepting that that you know, that we all will end at some point. We all die. Yeah, it's you know? a it's a part of the it's a part of life, just so much as a part of life is, right? Just as much as the journey that we go through, so too is death. I mean and so I was reading an article called um, Effectiveness of ACT based intervention in therapy for mental health disorders. Um it was a study done in Poland, actually, Ooh. regarding the effectiveness of uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, there was a lady who was 52, uh, small... T- this is actually it's a case study, and it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, lady, 52 years old, a living in a small town with a high rate of unemployment. Um, she was having a difficult relationship with her mother um, all the way throughout her growing up and adolescence and whatnot. Um, she was married at 19. And one of the things that her mom said about her was, she says, if a dog will take, it's because a bitch let him. And it was, she was, okay. So the daughter ended up getting pregnant at a young age and mom had said some fucked so up she's shit. Basically, she's basically blaming her daughter for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, wow. The lady had a had an eating issue because his mom was telling her, you know, hey, you know, you need to eat. You need to I'm going to make you eat. And then she would be like, oh, you're getting fucking fat. Like, you need to do something about that. Like all these all these sorts of toxic fucking behaviors. Um, Her husband, again, she was married at age 19. Her husband was addicted to alcohol. Uh, They had three daughters and she lost her youngest daughter due to suicide um, due to suicide. And the patient was 46 at the time. Um, Her mental health mostly goes untreated for 
a long ass time. Like 50 um, years, basically, it looks like. Basically, yeah. And by the time she was 46, she had spoken to one psychiatrist or psychotherapist. Was it a psychiatrist? I think it may have been a psychiatrist or a psychologist. One of the two. Somebody. She was talking to fucking somebody. And it was the first time that she had spoken to anyone. And she hadn't spoken to many people since. And so she had discussed, you know, the doing an inner an intervention with this particular person doing the case study. Um, you know, got informed consent to give all the information, do the whole thing. It's a the whole research process, you know. If you don't, you should. And so the intervention based on ACT, it was administered and assessed to the patient. Um, the post-intervention results in the aforementioned questionnaires indicated a lowering of psychopathological symptomology and an increasing in psychological flexibility. Um, the case study of the patient shows the potential implementing of mental health treatment interventions based on ACT as an evidence-based, effective, and easy-to-administer in individuals or groups of environments endangered with poverty or social exclusion. It's a mouthful. Um, in this case study, a difficult environmental living conditions in a small town with a high unemployment rate, an alcohol-addicted husband, um, financial difficulties and barriers to accessing the psychological help made the patient feel excluded from society um, again before doing this okay. case study. So yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some clients like this where they have a lot of things similar and right, right. their label for themselves is that they're broken. Mm. And I always like to break down that kind of barrier and help them look at it. And kind of the principles of act is that you're not necessarily broken because all these things happened to you. They're things that happened and they're a part of your past, but that's not all of the whole, you know, it's just a part. Right. Right. It's just a part of it. And so that's what I think is important as well. Like I don't, I don't want people to, Say, oh my God, I'm I have depression. So that is me. I am depression. Like, no, you you are someone who has that, and you are also so much more. You know, yeah. like you are a son or father or daughter, whatever. You know, right? It, it, the list goes on. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I like that for sure. And so, kind of um, when I'm working with clients like this, a lot of times they reflect on these experiences and all they can see are the experiences. They can never really see like the, you know, the good things that happen in between. And I'm not trying to bring in toxic positivity or make people feel like they have to overlook all these things, but I'm sure, you know, there were some good days and there's some good things about her. It's not just all these experiences that happened to her. She's more than just whatever happened to her. Right. Right. You're more than your experiences. You're more than your experiences. And so kind of wrapping up a little bit, um, is that you're more than your experiences and you're more than the losses that have happened to you. For sure. Um, and then I would say a big thing is letting go of that fight of fighting to try to change things that you can't change, try, trying to change the past, trying to change who you are, you know? For sure. And I think that letting go, like, after accepting and acknowledging right like if because if you just try to let it go and just move on like it's still unresolved and that that, can, that goes back to the problem solving of trying to sweep it under the rug you know right right and so i i think that if there's anything that you're struggling with um being accepting and acknowledging your your feelings your part in that struggle whatever it may be and your ability to move past it mm-hmm. right 
And I think that's super important. And so uh, I want to say if you or anyone you know is struggling with something awful with with fucking mental health stuff or with physical health stuff or with emotional violence. health stuff or with violence or persecution or existential fucking dread. Mm-hmm. Reach out. Get um, help. Get some help. Help each other. This world is wild and um, we need to help each other get through it for sure. Exactly. All right. Cool. We're out. Peace.